0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. And I'm going to say welcome back because it's been a couple weeks since we've Uh, listen to the Lawn and Garden Show. And I must say, I missed you. It's been a little bit of time frame too where we've seen our gardens starting to grow and flourish. So there's lots happening in our gardens. So we're going to talk and I'm going to ask the question, how does your garden grow? And it's growing wonderfully in July with a little bit of the coolness in Christmas to last night's cool, I think I saw, eight degrees that was on there, but it is July. It is summertime, and it's a July day. Please listen. In idle mood this happy day, I let the moments drift away. I lie among the tangled grass and watch the crinkling billows pass over seas of clover like a tide that sets across the meadow-wide THE CRIMSON-CRESTED RIPPLES RUN FROM ISLE OF SHADE TO SHORES OF SUN. AND ONE WHITE LILY SEEMS TO BE A SAIL UPON THIS SUMMER SEA, BLOWN NORTHWARD, BRINGING TO ME TODAY A FRAGRANT FREIGHT FROM FAR Cathay. LOW IS THE WIND THAT WAVES THE ROSE IN GARDENS WHERE THE POPPIES GROW, AND SWEET AS BELLS HEARD FAR AWAY. A robin sings his song to-day, sings softly by his hidden nest a little roundelay of rest, and as the wind his dwelling swings he dreams his dream of unfledged wings, while blending with his song I hear a brook's low babble somewhere near. A glory wraps the hills and seems to weave an atmosphere of dreams about the mountains kingly crest as sinks the sun adown the west earth seems to sit in folded hands in peace he only understands who has no care no vain no regret no sorrow he would fain forget and like a child upon her breast i lie this happy day and rest the green things are growing, whispering to me of many an earthly old mystery, of blossoms hiding in the mold and what the corn cups enfold, of life unseen and too dim to look through the nature up to him who writes the poem of each the year for human heart and eye and ear. O oh, summer day surpassing fair with hints of heavens in earth and air, NOT LONG DO I KEEP YOU IN MY HOLD, THIS BOOK IS CLOSED, THE TALE IS TOLD, THE VALLEYS FILL WITH AMBER MIST, THE SKY IS GOLD AND AMETHYST, SOFT, SOFT AND LOW, AND SILVER CLEAR, THE ROBIN'S VESTER hymn I HEAR, AND SEE THE STARS ALIT ONE BY ONE, THE SUMMER DAY TODAY IS DONE. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lana Garden Journal. We're into July. Yes, it's July. And I have to admit, um, Parker took us to a little bit of a commercial here and, uh, lo and behold, uh, of course, my duties of being away on business here. I come back and I am now have my fingers tickling because Believe it or not, some of the seed catalogs and catalogs for 2024 are on my desk. And as I give a little bit of a chuckle, I go, oh no, (laughs) the season has just begun and already the plans for 2024. But isn't that just like gardening? Think about it. We have our beautiful things that are happening, blooming, fruiting, flowering, producing, and already you can... I can say you're out there and you're like, all right, I love it. I love it. I love it. Right? Just like those Instagrams and videos that you kind of watch maybe sometimes. But in the back of your mind, you're also thinking, what am I going to do next year? That's where we are at. But I have to say, I love it. I love it. I love it. The garden is taking on its shape, the the tomatoes. I had my first tomato. Yes, there's the conversation about tomatoes. I had the first tomato off of Mountain Man. It was a new tomato that we had uh, at the garden center this year. And I have to say, even my husband said, oh my gosh and golly, this tastes so good. So I hope you're able to, or have had one tomato off of your crop this year because it. It definitely beats the store-bought ones for sure. It gives you that true taste. It reminds me also, too, of when uh, our daughter started gardening. And, of course, when she hit a certain age, you get that phone call. You have to take this phone call. Your daughter's calling. And, of course, I'm thinking the worst. And what is it? Mum? I dug up a, a carrot. It tastes so good. Well, a little bit of mama pride is in there because, A... She's growing her own food and B, seeing what it truly tastes like to pull a carrot with a little bit of dirt on it and having a little bit of crunchy taste that's in it. Yeah, everybody ate a little bit of dirt when they were little, right? It's good for you, keeps it going. Anyway, the lines are open 1 800 374 3315. I'm going to ask you if you're listening, how does your garden grow? Give us a shout. If you have any questions, concerns, anything, give me a call. I want to hear from you because it's been a while. And all of a sudden, all right, Annabelle's on the line. Good morning, Annabelle. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. My garden is growing
1: beautifully without irrigation. I'm from Morden. It is dry, but the garden is growing well. My question is, should I pinch back tomato bedding plants When I put them in the garden?
0: Yes. Um, Well, basically, if they're new starts, it's part of it. You know what? I'm going to put a little star because I kind of put down sort of conversations that we should start sort of maybe prompting. And tomatoes was one with pinching. But when you're first putting them and planting them in the garden as a start, I don't necessarily – I usually pinch off the lower leaves, and I like to set my tomatoes a little bit deeper from when mm-hmm. they came off the start plants, just because, okay. um, yeah, like, you know, when you look at the stem of a tomato plant at the bottom, it kind of gets that very uh, peach fuzz type of look that's in it. And right. if the plants seem to stay a little bit longer in the pot, they actually get this little nubbly kind of woodsy, you, you almost kind of look at it, and right. what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those become all potential roots. So Mm -hmm, some some people like to plant them a little deeper and some people actually will lay them down and give them a little bit of an angle up to start growing. So Mm -hmm. yes, you're correct. I pinch off the lower leaves. Okay. The other thing we... Oh, go ahead. What about pepper plants? Pepper plants, uh, side branching. I don't like to plant my pepper plants too deep because sometimes they'll cause uh, stem rotting. That's all those. So I usually keep them at the same level.
2: But
0: do you pinch them back? I will do a slight pinch. I usually let them give a little bit of growth, but you can do a slight pinch on certain varieties of them so you get some side branching and more flower development. Okay. And if we go back to the tomato portion of it, which is Mm -hmm. another little star that I had in there, is our plants are really developing nice, but this is the time where you may want to start uh, removing those. uh, We call them those little sucker branching that comes off of the the main one where you have the side branches and you start getting that tertiary one or that little one that develops in the crotch between that stem. So pinch those out a little bit too as well. Okay. Good enough. Okay. Thanks thanks so much. uh, All right. And I meant to ask you, how is it that you're not having to do any additional irrigation? Have you had... Our garden is just too big. Oh, okay. All right. So... (laughs) I'm I'm thinking maybe you have that perfect spot where you're able to get catch all that extra rain that's out there, but uh I how, don't think so. <laughs> well, if it's growing you've got something right there, girl. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's that's in there. But um how big of a garden do you have?
1: Um boy, I don't know how many feet. Uh, a good size of a good Barn. like oh wow good it, yeah it's uh it's, it's like a neighborhood and relatives like there's lots
0: oh beautiful i just had this vision of all these tomato plants and making salsa that's- <laughs> oh, absolutely that's absolutely yes <laughs> yep. that's yep. wonderful wonderful well mm-hmm. i hope you enjoy it and uh and have fun sharing your bounty we do thanks so much okay you're very very welcome take okay. care okay bye-bye Bye bye. Now, this is part of it too, is when we start growing a lot of things, we find that there is that capacity where you will get a bounty of stuff, right? And I know where uh we all have different conditions on how we're growing, whether you're listening from someplace really close or someplace very far. We've had different conditions, different weather conditions versus hail, water, sun, and heat stress. And there have been sort of some questions on heat stress because we just came out of probably the warmest uh, June. I know with all that heat and all that hot wind, there have been a lot of plants that had some additional heat stress with crisp leaves. And the inquiry as how do I get my plants back to maybe looking a little bit more cleaner, not crisp as in crisp dry, but crisp as in green, fresh, welcoming. So those crisp dry leaves, yes, I have a little uh, note here that was actually two or three notes on my desk when I came back is how do I get things looking good again, is if you can remove some of those dry crisp leaves if they got a little bit stressed from baby, uh, the wind action, the high evaporation that's on there, or if we missed a little bit of a watering and some plants got crisp, I know that happens, but cutting things back and trimming these, and this kind of follows suit with the question is, can I cut back my tomatoes a little bit or do some pinching that Annabelle asked, is this is the true season, yep, there's a task list for July. And one of them is included on, let's do a little bit of maintenance on some of our plants to keep them in that area where they are welcoming more branches, more blooms. And I'm a big encourager of that because if you do a little bit of trimming, a little bit of deadheading, because not every plant is self-cleaning that which basically it aborts the flower which doesn't uh, produce that seed node that's on there, because you just have to remember when plants like your petunias or some other um, snapdragons once they set their flower tone, their natural instinct is to go into a seed production form. What we want to do is we want to remove that seed that that tendency to want to go into a seeding form because that's their survival instinct is remove that, and then lo and behold, the plant goes, aha, I have no more seeds to produce. I have to produce more flowers. And yes, trimming, deadheading, taking out those seed ones, it's a little bit of fun. There's actually therapeutic methods to that. It's relaxing. Remove those. And I always like to say if those hanging baskets or uh, pot containers are equally as going a little bit uh, more fuller, keep the fullness of your plants by trimming out a quarter or if you want to be a little more aggressive, a third of the tips, like the, the longest growth, taking or removing a quarter to a third of some of your tips on some of those plants. Basically what you're doing is that long tendril of petunia that keeps wanting to grow outwards is stopped and every leaf node set back on that branch has the source of developing more branching and basil side branches off of it. And guess what? More branches, more flowers. So it keeps it that firmness, that, keep this, that fullness that's on those containers. And this is one that I see sometimes when we also have uh, container baskets. Hi, Tina, you're there. Just hang on a sec. The container baskets have the tendency to flatten out on the top of these big pots and you have the flowers down below. So we want to keep that sort of that domed capacity on your hanging baskets and your containers to make it look like wowza, okay? And part of that is keeping the regime of watering so that we don't get crisp leaves because if we don't water, the first thing that's going to go is the flower. All right, let's go right to the line. Good morning, Tina.
2: Yes, good morning. That's me again. Yes, <laughs>
0: how are you?
2: Yeah, uh, still surviving.
0: Still, thr- Well, that's good. That's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. How can we help you today?
2: Yeah. Have you tried it uh, ginger ale, uh, s- s- rhubarb slush already or not yet?
0: No, not yet. You know what? I have it in my hand. Oh, yeah? <laughs> we must have been thinking of each other because right now I have the little the sheet that you gave me in here, the rhubarb slush. Um, I've been away a bit on business and that kind of stuff, so I really haven't had a chance to try it, but I know I do want to try it.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, like. Uh, I was a, phone, a couple of weeks ago. I was phone in too, and I, I forgot about when I gave you the recipe. About uh, you also can just uh, can it in jars. You just make cook it and have the jars. Uh, I put them 200 degrees in, in, the, in the stove and put my jars on there. Yeah. And and then uh, cook the ruby, uh, the juice, and just pour it, put it hot in the jars. I use even spaghetti sauce jars and anything lids oh, wow. uh, like that. Almost put it quite up to the neck. It's just quite quite full actually. When it cools off, it go- goes lower a little bit actually. After, yeah. So and then I just use uh, um, me and my grandson. I guess I found them after I brought you the recipe. So in the basement, they moved some stuff, and ah. My- i forgot about that i had made made it in november i had a cabinet actually wow Uh, and so i had a frozen i guess the rhubarb so and yeah yeah well it's
0: it's beautiful and you know what i did mention it on one of the shows that we got the recipe and um i just i it's again if you weren't listening to before tina had given us uh previously the rhubarb slush recipe and it's it's it sounds so good and she was in here a few weeks ago and she gave me the hard copy of it so if anyone wants it I will type it out and I will put it up on the site I don't know um, maybe Parker can give me an idea how we can get this posted to everyone but if you do want it I'll also post it to um, maybe Tina can I post it on our website here Yes, uh, sure. to some of our friends too because I know some of you follow me on Facebook and Instagram okay. but uh, I didn't even think about the idea and that's that's an eye opener of actually using it as a canned as, item.
2: Yeah, just yeah, you can can it, and there's the, the spaghetti sauce, or you can uh, quartz, whatever you have, you know. Yeah. There's a this lid, with the, uh, they seal they very nicely, this, uh, this spaghetti sauce. Those, those well, kind of lids, most of them. Got,
0: You give me a little bit of a chuckle, because um, if Mum's listening, good morning, Mum, uh, she does her wine juice. That way, and she does juice for all the grandchildren well the grandchildren and now the great grandchildren, and she keeps her juice, and she actually freezes the juice like you did with some of the
2: okay stuff,
0: but I never thought now i 'm going to be giving her another test there mm-hmm. you go Mom. we're going <laughs> we 're going to be canning her juice now,
2: yeah, yeah, you can do that, and then I just said about half a cup of uh, uh, juice, and then uh the other half about the ginger ale or whatever you can make your own taste. Something you might need a little bit more juice or a little bit more ginger ale. But you have to be careful when you, even when you make a root slush, slush. The containers too. If you put too much in there. It's very foamy and goes over. You know.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can I can see that because I know that uh, with the grape juice that um, my mom does, she would put a little bit of ginger ale in that for the kids because they would like that too. It makes wonderful punch.
2: Yes, yes, very nice. I, we, my grandson, we just like it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to tell you that. I never thought of that, you know. So Yeah, yes. and
0: I, I think I remember when you were saying that on the back page here and looking at it, it said that you found it originally in the Saskatchewan Ladies Cookbook, First Edition. And uh, I have to admit that a lot of the community cookbooks that are uh, developed or produced from some of our communities that are out there, and I think uh, I I have one of the Kull Ross cookbooks that my mom and dad gave me years ago. I think I was maybe 17 or 18. They were like, here's a cookbook. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of the best recipes are out of those community cookbooks.
2: Yeah, I have that recipe since 2001, you know. Many, many years ago, and I just, uh, children and grandchildren and adults, most of them all just loved that.
0: Oh, well, that is something, and I, you know what, we were were connected this morning, because they said you were on the line, and I just put my hand down, and it was sitting here right on my desk.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I tried to phone um two Saturdays ago already, and then Oh and then I was, was too late I phoned and I said, Do it next Saturday and then next Saturday again and I No, then they said you were not taking any calls. So I think, Oh yeah, try, try you and do what? it today. Uh-
0: yeah, well we had the July and I have to apologize we had the July long weekend which is limited mm-hmm. uh, with people with so we did a tape show and uh, I I have to say I do I do run another business well I run my business too so sometimes I have to sneak away on business but uh, I do miss you guys when I'm
2: away okay and
0: uh, it just makes our it makes our calls when we're back
2: together again a little bit more exciting hmm yeah okay and have a good okay. day and hope, I you hope too. I- they like going to like the rhubarb slush. <laughs> a rhubarb, rhubarb slush and rhubarb juice, I guess you could say, a drink, whatever.
0: Well, July, we need to uh, all make some slushy Tina's. We're going to call it Tina's rhubarb slush, and uh, enjoy a little bit of time on the patio and enjoy our flowers.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, good. good. Thank you, Tina. Okay, have a good day. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. You too. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. That is wonderful. I love it that Tina called back. And yes, the rhubarb slush is here uh, that's in here. And maybe, you know what, maybe at the same time I should get my mom's recipe. She doesn't have a recipe as per uh, adding stuff to it, but definitely if you're thinking about doing crops and harvesting, because we have a lot of prairie fruit that we can do stuff with, just think of the apples um, a couple of them. And one of the, that's in through here, I came back and a lot of our cherry trees in the nursery here, not only are they beautiful because you see the color of these sour cherries that are out here. And yes, I'm going to say sour cherries, but when you start making something out of them, they turn into a different aspect because yes, we're cooking with them. Even the good old, uh, uh, Saskatoons that are in there, pin cherry, pin cherry jelly, uh, your, your cherries, like if you're looking at certain ones that you want to grow for canning or even cherry pop, they, they're small, they're fruiter, the small fruiting that's in there. But we do have the ones that kind of come to mind are the Juliet and the Romeo series that are on there that you have the larger fruit. And of course, again, my memory always takes me back to the ages of when I was a child and gooseberries, of course. If you've not tried gooseberries before, goose or gooseberries that's on here, they're not the best eating ones because they're very dry. I remember my grandfather always, he was quite a character that was in there, and I guess he gave me my first gooseberries, what I remember, and I thought, oh, this is very bad. (laughs) But it makes very good jelly and jams, gooseberry jam. So we found it. And I think. If we're, okay, if we're on this tangent of talking about, uh, fruits, uh, the one that has been really upcoming is if you like your blueberries and you like that alternative to the blueberry, um, have you ever, uh, tried hascaps? Okay. If we get into this conversation of hascaps, it is a fruit. It kind of looks like, um, it was introduced a number of years ago with the different variations of them. And it's actually, it's not in the shape of a round perfect blueberry that you're thinking. They're actually called like of a, uh, some people may know it as a honey berry that's elongated a little bit in the distortion of a, a berry, but it does have different tones of that nice true blueberry factor that's to it. And it, it is beautiful and tasty. Uh, I was at, out at Jeffrey's Nursery um, a while back, and they hosted a bunch of people, and then very graciously for uh, a little bit of a treat, lo and behold, we were given these sweet little tarts, and I thought they were blueberries, and no, I was uh, quickly uh, given the tone that it is a haskap, and. It was the most delicious little tart. And I was like totally enamored with this type of fruit there. But with the hascaps, um, in the fruiting that's on it, uh, they like to fruit. And sometimes when they're fruiting, they will fruit. I think it's mid uh, mid to late June in that area, depending on when our season gets started. But there's a whole collection of them. And if you know that with certain plants... We know that there's a capacity that you have to have a pollinator. That's a whole different conversation as to whether, what do I need for pollination? And just this morning early, somebody had called at the garden center and said that they wanted to have an apple tree and do I need a pollinator? Yes, it's always best to have a pollinator. But with the has caps, if you're venturing to your garden center and you're looking for uh, the caps or your honey berries, just be selective and ask them which one is the best pollinator for the one that you have because there's a little bit of a recipe that's out there of which one does best with which one in order to get the best fruiting. So it's always good to visit your garden center, use their expertise to see which is going to be able to help you with your most production. And even too, there are some plants that are out there that will say that they are self-pollinating or um, there may be a few varieties that will be self-pollinating. But I always find that if you want the plumpest, best fruit ever, even some of your self-pollinators do best by having a pollinator that's close to them so that they get a better fruit production. All right? You're listening to the Lawn Garden Journal, and yes, we're talking about a lot of stuff from fruits to vegetables to even making ourselves a little bit of rhubarb slush for the patio later on. And uh, oh, we have a caller. We're going to go right to line. Shirley is on the line. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. And where are you calling from today, Shirley? I'm calling from Collida. Well, hello to everyone in Collida. Thank you. Yeah, I got a, a problem
1: with um, whenever I make uh, chokecherry jelly. Sometimes it thickens and sometimes it doesn't. And I use sugar and try that, and it just uh, it doesn't seem to. More or less, just says runny. Why
0: and how do I fix that problem? Well. I'm not, I'm, uh, you know what, you just open. we're going to start cu- going into culinary school here, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the choke cherries, I think it depends on your pectin, like there is the natural pectins that are in some plants, right, so do you, do you subsidize and use a little bit of a pectin in your, um, yeah, I use cerdo, you use cerdo, okay, yeah. so how to like, okay, I guess the question is, how do you regulate pectin in a plant? I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I... That's a whole different um, type of because with the, um, I guess I don't know. You've stumped me on this one. Hey, mom, are you listening? Um, maybe there's <laughs> some there's some things that are out there because I know in certain areas they naturally, uh, I guess, um, always. I, I'm stumbling here because. Some plants have their own natural pectin that is that makes it sort of that coagulation portion of it. Um, maybe concentrating on that pectin is maybe reducing some of your, your jellies or your syrups a little bit so that they're concentrated a little bit more. So I know when you get your juices that's in there, sometimes big batches need to be just made a little bit of reduction so you're using more of the natural pectin that's in it. Um, I think okay. it probably. Uh, now, here, I'm going to throw something at you, too. It may have something, and maybe there's people out there that will listen that are in there. I'm just kind of thinking of the analogy of kind of how pr- fruits produce. Yeah. If they produce.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, most. The, the berries that we get are um, in the growing in the wild. Yeah. And we also planted some choke cherry trees, and I've used them and they seem to do the same like that were in the yard and it it's funny like you never know when it's going to thicken and when it doesn't uh the juice is okay too but then i find i have to um put water in it to thin it out a bit cuz the juice gets pretty strong yeah and yeah you can make it go a long way <laughs> but it's some once in a while the juice will thick or the, the the sauce will thicken not very often and then the rest of the time I still stays running. I had the same problem yesterday with strawberries. I went to uh, cook them and all that, and um, I put them through a sieve because we have to uh, have strawberries with no seeds, strawberry jam with no seeds, and when I did that, the stuff that came out that went through the sieve, that uh, did not thicken very good, but the, the stuff that was left with the seeds in it, that thickened right oh, wow. away. Yeah. So, by taking the and I never added no water or nothing, yeah. just a turtle yeah. to the whole thing, and then the, the the juice came out right away it never thickened. It did like chilled a bit, but not like jam or jelly. Yeah. But the stuff that was left over from the seeds and that that thickened right away. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think I think it. You know what? Uh, to me, it just goes back to whether. And you know what? I'm going to be totally looking this up to, like, you've got me just itching to get to the computer and kind of look at things to see if, if, what, if choke cherries have no, like, they may not have enough pectin in them, or sometimes they do, and maybe it's their uh-huh. growing conditions that's on, you know, the seasonality of growing, because I know just... In my mindset right now, we've had some people that have come in that said that the some of the berries this year are very, very small, and that's because we were—we just went through a very dry spell, so they didn't yeah. plump up. They didn't plump up in, in in enough time to get that the larger berries, right? So, yeah. yeah, you've got me stumped. But you know what? Hey, if anyone's out there right now that's listening to this, we like your commentary that's out there. Um, but I am totally going to be looking. Go ahead. If there's anything
1: that I can add to it or whatever, I don't know how to what to do like, with it. Like
0: yeah, like you're talking about adding to the soil or the growing conditions that allows it to get more of that, or maybe naturally, maybe choke cherries. I, I'm totally stumped on this one. You gotta start. You gotta start by your name. <laughs> <'Cause> I I am <laughs> well, so curious. Like everybody loves choke cherries in my house,
1: the Jude's, but also the deli and and what about Saskatoons this year? How are they? Are they done already and are they
0: good this year i I have not heard about the Saskatoons, but the saskatoons um the picking on that I don't know if that's done. I know that their strawberries are going uh raspberries Uh we're just starting to get some of the raspberries that are out there Um, mom had just mentioned that she picked enough for her her cereal in the morning to have a handful of raspberries there but um yeah uh, the sask and you know what saskatoons and blueberries and you're just got my mouth watering okay (laughs) i used to okay i'm going to tell you those story i love telling you stories um we used to get uh go out to the farm in Saskatchewan, hello Saskatchewan if you're listening, is to go out there and we used to pick Saskatoons like the buckets. And uh, one of my aunts used to reduce it and we used to bring buckets and buckets home, even on the bus. That's on the back on the Mm -hmm. day that the grandchildren or the grandchildren had little name tags that we went out to visit and stay at Grandma's farm. But, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Saskatoon pie Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Love it! Love it! Yeah, and yeah. also too, uh, the choke cherry gel-, gel. Yep. You know what? This is just there is a bounty that's to be had by growing your own fruit, and mm-hmm. um, maybe that's an aspect that we need to teach our younger uh, younger generations that there is a bounty that's out there. And it's rewarding mm-hmm. to be able to can your own stuff because if you're if all those generations underneath us are saying this as well, then they should learn how to do this to co- continue that process. And in a I, row. I saw I saw on Facebook that somebody was selling choke
1: cherries, this is a couple of years ago, by twenty dollars for a court, a quart of uh, fresh um choke cherries. So, wow,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well but the and then there's so many. And you can't beat uh homemade items and homemade uh-huh. uh, canning. Yeah. Because there is something that's to be said about it. It is delicious. Delicious. Yeah. And they're so good for you too. Yes. Really there are really. yeah, we're, you're so true because a lot of the 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 properties that we get from a lot of foods and fruits that are home there's a lot of antioxidants. That's a whole different gambit. Let's, I'm not even into that, but you know that there is... Well, sh- sorry, back that up. I'm into growing fruit and eating fruit. I love that. But to know the chemistry of what all the properties that they give you, that yeah. is a whole yeah. different realm. But we know that um, anything that is fresh grown is so much better.
1: Yeah. yeah. Our choke season, but choke season there, but choke cherry trees are full. Every year. I don't know why. Those ones always, and even in the wild... There is is always, like, pails of them. So I would really be good if I could find out how to thicken them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. And Chokecherry, like, you drive around, and you know when the bloom of the Saskatoons are. are. We have a a bush line out here by us, and I know when they're in bloom. Uh, You Uh see them, you know? And, uh, you know, we used to drive around as kids in the back of this (laughs) Chevy Impala and mom and dad would look for those Saskatoon bushes and they would know where they were, where they're in bloom, and where we're yeah. going in the next few weeks to pick them. So, yeah. 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 Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you for calling in, okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay. a lot. Okay, Shirley. Bye. Have a great weekend, okay? Yeah, you too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I think all of our mouths are watering, like the conversation... And uh, here I was thinking that we needed to talk about uh, weeding and heat stress. And this is l- much more delectable conversation that's in here is speaking about all the fruits and vegetables. And I have to admit, too, that uh, in the back, we have a nursery field in the back of us. And we have a few big, believe it or not, pear trees that are back there that I think I want to do a little bit of a feature of it. And who would imagine that we have pear trees that we can actually go. They're not going to be like the Bartlett pears. I know that when you're thinking about pear trees, we're thinking of all the Bartlets and the big pears that you're getting at the grocery store. A little bit smaller, still just as tasty. So think about it. If you're looking at it and you have the space for it, uh, there are a couple really good prairie pears that you can get. The Uri or the Early Gold are the ones sort of that comes to mind. And think also too, plums right? That good old pemboda plum that's out there. So maybe we just, maybe I think, you know what, we just maybe spurred an interest into creating orchards there, Shirley, of all these new fruits that we know that we can grow prairie-wise that's on there. And don't forget the currants, the raspberries. Oh yeah, there's a little bit of work involved with raspberries, but they are delicious. And of course, sometimes blueberries, you have to be a little bit more cautious and know thy area of where you want to grow things. Blueberries like acidic, but not too heavily that's on there. And you also have to make sure that when you're doing some of your fruiting stuff, conditions are where you want the sun to play a factor that's on them. Now, I'm flipping a page here. We talked about a little bit of heat stress. That's one thing that we really wanted to go through. If we uh, get back to the temperatures where we're doing a little bit of heat stress, I have a little note here that if you're wanting to reserve water, and this is nice too where if you uh, are growing like Annabelle without the irrigation where you're wanting to hold the moisture when you're going through it, uh, use a little bit of. Uh, I know that dad and mum used to do dry dry grass clippings, not wet ones, and anchor them around some of the tomatoes plants. There's other products that are new on the market. There's a new one that is a chopped straw, garden straw that's been cleaned of weed, and well, not totally, but a good percentage is a really good product. is called garden straw. By putting it around some of your plants, and this is one condition that if it will help to hold the moisture down, it will also deter blown in weed seeds from getting direct contact to the soil. And you have better consistency on holding moisture, specifically for uh, when you're doing your tomatoes, because if you get the high percentages of high heat and drying out and then over watering, you can get a little bit of fruit cracking that's on there. And the other aspect about putting a little bit of a mulch underneath some of your tomatoes is the prevention of maybe helping it with uh, blossom and rot irregular watering patterns keeps the consistency and even uh, maybe a little bit of a backsplash from the soil back to the uh, tomato roots that are the tomato leaves which could get a little bit of a bacterial aspect that's on there that you want to do a prevention those are a little couple little tips that are on there all right now don't forget There's a little more conversation of uh, doing our July tasks. The clock is running down. So we got to think about it. July tasks are coming up. All right. But we'll have to leave that for the next show. Thank you for listening to everyone. It's been a great uh, morning talking about gardening. And we'll be back again on the Lawn Garden Journal. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye, everyone.